0: A candy-colored clown, they call the Sandman, tiptoes to my room every night, and just to sprinkle of stardust and a whisper, go to sleep. Everything is all right. I close my eyes, then I drift away into. Night, I softly say, a silent silence, like dreamers do. Then I fall asleep to dream my dreams of you. In dreams, I walk.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 64.0. And we are going to be playing through a title, uh, I, I would say horror-ish, maybe. Um, Alan Wake. Uh, and uh, since this is the month of November, Matt will not be joining us. He is doing NaNoWriMo, and uh, whenever he actually gets those episodes up, you can definitely take a listen to that and his journey with... Uh, him writing a novel, uh, but Phoenix Down continues, and I'm going to have a special guest, as I always do every November, and this time we've got a returning guest, Sophie Halliday. Hi guys, happy to be back. Welcome back, it's been well, a while.
2: I think it's kind of appropriate that we're playing Alan Wake while Matt's off writing a novel.
1: Exactly, I know it's very appropriate. Uh, so yeah, Alan Wake came out, uh, May 18th of 2010 in North America. Uh, so we're looking at about a seven year old game at this point, which I didn't realize it was that old. Uh, no,
2: me either. It still looks okay on PC.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm playing too. I'm playing on PC, which the PC version came out in 2012. Yeah. Uh, so a couple years later, um, Sophie, as we do with all of our, first episodes of a series we uh we like to talk about our history with the game what is your history with alan wake
2: um zero because i know shocking i never owned an xbox 360 did not play have not played have heard of obviously because you know it's kind of a unique game so it obviously had some buzz when it when it launched seven years ago but yeah no i've never played it It it's been on my to-do list on the steam inventory for a long long time so
1: how long have you had the game
2: Probably a couple of years. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It was a sale purchase, as so many of my Steam catalog um, is. But, yeah, yeah. happy to get one off the list. There
1: you go. Well, um, my history is actually pretty simple. Uh, I did not buy this game. This was back whenever I was still living with my old roommates. Uh, And uh, my roommate purchased the game day one on sixty. Um. And he played through it, and I think it was probably about a month after the game had come out, he actually went on a trip uh, for a weekend, and uh, this was back when we were still streaming games on Justin TV, you no know, um, and I streamed the entirety of Alan Wake over that weekend, um, and enjoyed the crap out of it. I was like, oh, this is really, really fun. There was... A, there was a point in the game, I think we've got to it just yet, where I'm like, oh my god, this level is so long. <laughs> and it just kept going and going. I was like, ugh. Oh. So, um, not looking forward to that part, but, um. Yeah,
2: I, that doesn't, yeah, it's, it feels well paced at the moment, at least. Yeah. So, so. It's really disappointing. I, I don't look forward to whatever part of the game that is.
1: I can't remember what chapter it is, but it's, there's definitely one that's way longer than the others. Um, and I was just like, this is never going to end. Um, but yeah it's uh, so Alan Wake is a game created by Remedy Entertainment um, and it was actually published by Microsoft so this was a Xbox 360 exclusive when it came out uh, in fact it never I don't no it's never it's never hit a PlayStation uh, Remedy if anybody who doesn't know um, they're the guys who uh, created or worked on and created Max Payne uh, they were the guys who invented Bullet Time which they use a lot in this game too uh and uh their most recent one was uh quantum break. Uh they um yeah, that's about it. They made Death Rally, Max Payne, Max Payne 2, Alan Wake, Alan Wake's American Nightmare, and then Quantum Break. So, uh pretty well-known developer, I think. Yeah. People really like Max Payne. I always thought that Max Payne was made by Rockstar, but it was just published by Rockstar.
2: See, I've, t- another game I've not played.
1: None of just, that. None of the matches. No. Pains?
2: This actually, from the list you just read off, may be the first Remedy game I've played.
1: Never played Quantum Break, I take it? Nope. <laughs> you don't own an Xbox nope. One, probably. Nope. Yeah. But That's- not
2: that. There's, yeah, so I don't have the Xbox One because I have PC, so.
1: Yeah. So, you can play Quantum Break because I do own it on PC, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Silent Wake, uh, third-person shooter, um, Starring Alan Wake, no less. Uh, a. Wake, yeah. Yeah, A. Wake. Um, let's see here. The top of the, the box says, A Psychological Action Thriller.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alan Wake is a writer. He is a well-known uh, author of novels. Um, he, uh, he's he been having issues lately for the past, I think three years. He's not been able to write anything. Yep, and uh, he's hoping to go on a vacation with his wife and clear his head, and hopefully get some inspirations to help him get out of this writer's block. Um, and so they travel to uh, Bright Falls, uh, to um, to hopefully get away from the world for a little while. So, is it Bright Falls? I don't know what state it's in.
2: It Maybe- looks. Kind of like Washington.
1: Maybe Washington. Or Oregon, kind of. Yeah, Montana. Somewhere around in there. It's, yeah. It's a very foresty, mountainous area. Um, and uh, the beginning parts of the game is actually Alan's in a dream. And you'll learn throughout this entire game, you don't really know what's real and what's not. Um, so... Uh, starts off in that dream where especially this just a tutorial, and somebody's talking to him, telling him how to do things. Uh, and we don't know who that person is. It's just a uh, what we figure out is the writer, apparently. But we'll find out later on who the writer is. Um. So after the dream sequence, it's Alan and his wife. They're they're going across a, I guess a, a lake.
2: Yeah, they're on the ferry. Yeah,
1: they're on the ferry going to Bright Falls, arriving there. Um, seems like uh, a normal couple. He, Yeah, uh,
2: Alan's popular. People recognize him, right? So. Yeah.
1: He's trying his best to make sure nobody knows that he's there because he doesn't like people coming up to him and stuff. He just wants to have a nice, relaxing getaway with his wife. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Uh, people recognize him right away. Um,. And so, yeah, we, we're basically playing as Alan as he's going around Bright Falls trying to get settled. Um, he goes to, he goes to meet with, uh, the guy who he's renting the cabin out to, or renting the cabin, uh, from, uh, to get the key. Uh, so we go to the Oh Dear Diner. Um, to, so I have to mention there, it feels like there is some similarities from this and Twin Peaks.
2: Yeah, I again I haven't watched it, but it from the bits that I've seen, it feels kind of like that because there's a low there's so many different layers and that's obvious straight away really within kind of halfway through episode one. It's one of those situations where that I I, I feel like y- you just can't trust anything, right? So the weirdest thing that you can think of probably may feature in the game, yeah. which is very Twin Peaks. There's a lot of misdirection, and I kind of also think, like, it's one of those games where, I don't know about you, but when I first started playing it, and you kind of open up into that that area with the diner and, and everything, so you have a bit of freedom to move, you see those guys in the diner, you turn the jukebox on, it's one of these games where I feel like I have to explore every possible interaction, because yeah. I don't want to miss anything, or any kind of collectible, or any kind of interaction, because it all feels like everything is there for a reason, it's mm. very deliberate. And, and I, I love games like
1: that. They, they do a really good job of this because they reward you uh, for exploring uh, with both the, the transcript or the manuscript pages. And this whole game, much like uh, Max Payne, is narrated by the main character uh, in kind of like a film noir style. Where Sure. Yeah. Like he, he comes up to you, you obviously came up to a locked door and then Alan Wake would be like, and I came up to a locked door. I'd have to find another way around.
2: But like the whole thing is completely mobilized by the fact that he is the epitome of the unreliable narrator, right?
1: Yeah. And, and you it's you just <laughs> it's not his fault. You
2: he doesn't know what he believes and as I guess the not the well both the reader, the, the player, you know, the the viewer of this game, all all three, you don't know what to believe about what he believes or doesn't believe either. So Alan Wake doesn't know what's going on. And he can't trust what's real and what isn't real. And I think it's really cool the way the game is set up to totally kind of destabilize yourself as the player in that same way as well.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually really well done. The atmosphere is fantastic, I think. Um, so we go into the O oh Dear Diner. Um, and, uh, Alan is walking around, seeing some of the locals. He meets with uh, one of the deputies. Um, uh there's these two old uh rocker guys who um who are over there they they seem like they're drunk um and they want you to change the music on the jukebox um there's the uh Rose who is the uh the waitress there um she's the mega fan she's yeah. a huge fan of Alex and uh she's basically you know fangirling all over him um and he's still looking for I can't remember what, what's the guy's name that we're trying to find? Uh the guy who Oh
2: the yeah, the uh, cabin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he's forgettable and I can't remember. Um who is it? Carl Carl. Is it Carl?
1: Carl, maybe. Yeah, Carl Stucky. That's his name. They uh Carl. Carl Stuckey, uh the cabin's landlord. Um we're trying to find him. Uh, and, uh, they said, oh, we went to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom and there's a woman there who's kind of, uh, scared. She's like, don't go in there. The lights are off and you don't know what's going to happen in the darkness. And we're like, well, we'll, fine. we'll, we'll take our chances. Yep. We, we walk in there and we, uh, we knock on the bathroom door because he's not coming out for some reason. And, uh, before the door opens, a woman, uh, shows up behind Alan a creepy woman who looks like she's wearing funeral attire. Like, yeah, she's, she's got like yeah. a, a. There
2: was some heavy signifiers, but she was not to be trusted. Yeah, and really kind of creepy and weird, and it was pretty dark.
1: Yeah, so she's she's standing there in like this all black getup. She's even wearing like one of those hats with a veil. It just it looks like, you know, something like somebody from 1964 would wear to a funeral. Sure. Um and she's uh she's like, "Oh, well, uh Carl couldn't make it, but he told me to give you uh the key. Uh, here's the key and in the instructions on how to get there. And um you got to have a great time." She's just really f- fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh Alan's like, "Thanks." And so he leaves. Doesn't question it. He thinks no. it's fine. So he leaves the diner and uh gets back in the car with his wife. And as they're driving off, Carl Stuckey runs out of the diner. And he's like, dun, dun, dun. Mr. Wake, you forgot your key. I've got <laughs> it right here. And they're like, oh, shit. So now, where are we going? Uh So I had about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that was kind of like, um like you say, the tutorial kind of prologue type thing. It it was really out of context at the time, right? So as you say, it's kind of this weird dream sequence. We're going to the lighthouse, you know, you don't really know what's going on. But as you say, it feels like very mechanical. This is how you do X, Y and Z. And then, oh, you wake up in your car and here you are and it's normal. And I guess it was a really cool kind of just as you start getting used to the what you think, oh, this is real life now. This is Alan. This is reality this is the the real thing. It flips it pretty quickly, right? So like as soon as you feel like you're certain about the direction of the game and the narrative and the plot, the the, the rug swept out from under you. Right. And it, it was cool. I mean, I, I liked it. It was a it was a nice way to do it, even though the the evil woman was kind of obviously evil, dodgy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably didn't need to overplay that quite so heavily. It, it was still a nice little sort of moment.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we drive up to the, uh, the cabin, which is on called Lake. So it's really interesting, this cabin. So it's on like an Island in the middle of the lake. You have to walk over a bridge to get to it.
2: To your bridge.
1: Uh-huh. And, um, so, uh, we got to settle in there. Um, we walk around the, the area a little bit, do some exploring and stuff like that. Uh, it's a bit creepy. Um, but you know, if you turn the lights on, it's okay. Uh, Alan's wife is actually, um, deeply afraid of the dark. Uh, Alice, that's her name. I couldn't remember her name. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she wants him to get the lights on. So we go turn the, the, the breakers on. And, um, she has a surprise for uh, Alan um she well i mean they, they make the joke of oh are you the surprise she's like no
2: <laughs> yeah that was really weird but yeah, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: i found it, it i found it strange because like we were just outside turning the lights on and we come she's, in, she's
2: terrified she's, yeah, yeah and then she's in her underwear
1: <laughs> now she's in her underwear she's laying on the bed and she's like no i'm not your surprise I'm like, What the? what are you doing you know
2: why have you taken all your clothes off then like i don't understand <laughs>
1: yeah So, um, but yeah, (laughs) she takes us into the other room and, uh, there is a typewriter there and she says, well, I figured this would be a good way for you to relax and start writing again. And Alan is not having any of this. He is, This is is
2: not a pleasant surprise for Alan.
1: He was like, this is bullshit. I want to here and forget about everything. And you're bringing this shit up. I mean, he got mad, like legit mad and, uh, stormed out of the, uh, of the cabin.
2: See, that's kind of why I feel like the the whole kind of underwear thing, like the attempted sort of jokey part, that undercut what probably would have been like a really good realistic scene between a married couple where the wife is genuinely trying to think of something to help her husband, you know, and take him away, get him a new typewriter, scenic location. You know, maybe that's just like a bit of encouragement that he needs. It's there if he wants to. You know, and he, he obviously totally reacts badly to that, and they have a big fight, I, I feel like that would have been quite a realistic piece of characterization. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of felt a bit... I don't know, it just didn't feel 100% right to me, the whole thing. But yeah, like Alan's just really angry because how dare she.
1: Yeah, and I... How did you feel about that outburst? Because I honestly, I don't remember most of this game, but... When I saw that, I was like, wow, why are you being such a dick?
2: Right. I think this is the thing about um, his character. There's so many layers to it, right? It was unexpected, but it didn't feel off to me, the fact that he would react that way, right? Like, the guy's obviously got some some shit going on with his crazy realistic nightmares. And, you know, the, the whole writer's block issue and... He was very clear about wanting to get away from everything, not wanting to be Alan Wake, just wanting to be a guy going away with his wife, getting away from the world, right? Yeah. So I guess that I guess the whole idea of the typewriter brings back the reality of him that he can't be Alan Wake at the moment, right? Like he literally isn't the guy who is the best-selling. He he can't reconnect with that side of him. So I I don't mind the f- I didn't you know I bought the whole kind of overreaction sense the kind of outburst of his wife that's why i don't understand why the whole underwear thing needed to happen before because I, I i think it was a serious enough scene and it spoke it was good for his characterization that you know it works well on its own you know
1: yeah i just i don't, I don't know it just it came, it came off as strange to me i guess because i wouldn't be that way so here's the thing about alan wake he is not me and I feel like that kind of clashes with how I because Alan, truth be told, Alan is actually kind of egocentrical a little bit. For sure, he he just you know he, yeah he he is very successful and he knows it and he th- thinks he's intelligent you know and he knows he's intelligent and plays off with it and it just comes off as slightly douchey. At yeah, times. no,
2: I I agree with you and I think there's so many that's what i mean by when i say i think there's so many layers to his character right because that alan wake that you described there is almost like a persona of the author that he has kind of become because he's been playing that role for a long time and he's comfortable with it to a degree right mm-hmm. so he's the big shot he's the he's the star writer he's all of those things he he kind of has this oh i don't want to be recognized i guess i i would think if he was back where he lived in in the city or whatever and, and all of a sudden no one knew who he was he, he would he would he would find it hard to deal with that right yeah like losing all that attention so i think maybe the outburst comes from a place of the fact that he no longer is able to perform so <laughs> yeah. to speak um it has really kind of made him question himself and he's freaking out like he's freaking out big time
1: yeah so I mean, it's it, like, I, I would never say I dislike Alan Wake as a character, but there's parts of him I'm just like, why aren't you yeah. acting like that? But at the same time, I still cheer for the guy. It's it, like, they've, they wrote a really good character here. Like he has multiple, it's not just like a one dimensional character.
2: Yeah. It's a shame the the, the rest of the characters <laughs> are essentially wallpaper in the game, but you know, the game is called Alan Wake, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to build a whole game about a a central character who's a writer and you're literally taking that that aspect and 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 challenging the the player the viewer and the reader's conception of what a game is and like what his mind is and what reality is you have to have a really solid kind of core character i think and and the fact that he has all these layers to him is what allows game to kind of Pull pull off all the things it attempts pretty successfully, in my opinion. If yeah. if you didn't if you didn't kind of be like we're just sat here talking about him having quite a good conversation about the things that make up this man. If if that wasn't there, this game, you know, it wouldn't be a game.
1: I don't think like it wouldn't work. Yeah, it well, yeah, it'd just be a boring. Like I don't care about this character.
2: Exactly. You don't have to like him to be, I guess, kind of captivated by the story.
1: Yeah. So, uh but you know, you say that uh, some of the other characters are kind of paper thin. Don't worry, because you, I'm, I'm sure you have a feeling about Barry right now. <laughs> you will, you will, you will probably change your thoughts on Barry later. Oh on.
2: no, I'm more, I'm more on on the wife. I feel like as as someone who um, essentially is is a is a really important part to who Alan Wake is. I, I I just wish they'd done a bit more with her character. You know, it's it's just a little bit kind of like you like we described that scene. Oh, she's absolutely terrified of the dark. That's kind of a cool concept considering the importance of like you know the thematic importance of the dark in this game, which we'll, we'll get onto right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then all of a sudden, oh, the lights back on, everything's fine. Yeah. It we- just it, her, her character just seems a bit kind of black and white, bit obvious compared to, to Alan. It's not like a hyper It's just, you know, does. I think it's just a collateral damage almost to, to the effort that goes into Alan's character.
1: I feel like the game eventually turns her into the MacGuffin of. Yeah. We have to get Alice. Yeah. Um,
2: she's she's a plot device rather than a character.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, when Alan storms off, uh, lights go out in the uh, in the cabin, and he can hear her screaming for help so he freaks out we run back to the cabin and she's gone we go out to the porch and there is some dark figure the darkness itself has a hold of alice and pulls her over the balcony into the lake itself and so alan jumps in right after and as soon as he hits the water he blacks out and then wakes up and he wakes up in his car and it's been crashed. Um, he doesn't know how he got into a car where he is, how he crashed, anything like that. He doesn't remember anything. And we'll find out a little bit later on this level that, um, there's a lot he doesn't remember because seven days has passed. Um, the first thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the first thing uh, is uh, what I always found was a really cool mechanic was the manuscript pages. He starts finding these pages laying around the environment. And when he reads them, they're from a book called Departure, which is written by Alan Wake. And strangely enough, that is the title of his next book that he was planning on writing. And it's done in his style, almost like he's written it. He doesn't remember writing it. But the strange thing is, is that everything that he finds in pages is starting to come true. And he is starting to experience. Um, So what's really cool is you will get manuscript pages for things that haven't happened yet. And so it kind of gives you this sense of dread or, you know, uh, urgency for what's going to come up next. Uh, I do like the fact that it's you know it's kind of it's almost a warning for Alan. Um, did you have you read all of them or or listened to them? I,
2: yeah, I've read like I read most of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, I get. I think it's a really cool mechanic, and um, it's really ambitious for what the game tries to do. And I get. I think if you were to sit someone down and say, "Oh, hey, so like I'm playing this game," and it just sounds kind of it sounds almost too ambitious, but it works. It really works really well. Like you never kind of know with any great certainty what the the real kind of thing that you're you're watching or or reading or playing, <clears throat> what the actual real type for want of a better word timeline is. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are you kind of reenacting pages from this novel? Are you in a nightmare? Uh, is is this all in his head as he's kind of imagining what's going into this novel? Is this reality? Like, um, I'm sure you're going to come onto the TV screens that, that crop up as you go through the game as well.
1: Yeah.
2: The whole way the game is structured into episodes with credits. Yeah. Like it's just a really cool concept.
1: So, um, that's, we can talk about kind of the mechanics of the game itself. So uh, every level, quote-unquote level, is is developed into chapters or episodes where it literally, like you said, it turns into basically like the ending of a television show. Uh, in fact, when you start a new episode, it says previously on Alan Wake and it shows clips of what happened in the previous episode. Uh, now, another game did that. It's a game that I hate with every fiber of my being. It's called Alone in the Dark. Um, and Alone in the Dark did it first.
2: I remember you dealing with that.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck that game. Uh, yeah. But, when are uh, we
2: playing that for the Phoenix Down anniversary of, um, Alone in the Dark?
1: Uh, because I, I platinum that game to say I would never have to go back to it ever. I hate that oh, game. Oh, but
2: like now we're Alan waking it, so maybe like you have to relive your nightmare.
1: <laughs> oh no. No, no. No, I, I, I've done that enough. But yeah, I'd rather play Alan Wake ten times than, than play Alone in the Dark again. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Uh. there's – Um. it's broken down into the episodes and stuff like that. But even like while you're running around, you're getting these manuscript pages. But on top of that, you're running into televisions. And the televisions have Alan Wake on them, and he is narrating himself basically. Uh, and it's, it's always showing him frantically trying to, to move around pages or type something. It's like he's sitting down at, at the cabin writing a story.
2: That you're then kind of, yeah, like you're, he'll say, how does, yeah, how does he do X, Y, and Z or what will happen with Alice and, Al-, you know, and he talks about himself in the third person. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, is the Alan on the TV show the real Alan? And the Alan in the game that you're then playing, the, the subject of what he's talking about, is he the character? Or is, do you know what I mean? Or is it all another kind of episode, like a, psycho, a psychotic episode? Right. You, you never, that's what I mean when I say he's, he's the, he's an unreliable narrative, unreliable narrator, right? Cause you never know, like, where the truth is. Yeah. And you can't trust anything, I don't think, at this stage at least that you read or see um, that when it comes from his perspective this is just so destabilizing but cool it's not frustrating it's really interesting because you want to kind of you want to see where it goes right
1: yeah well you'll definitely start to see um, a little bit later on obviously but um, so uh, this next part this is still episode one it's next part it's not very long it's we're trying to get to a gas station to get help and this is where we start getting into the mechanics of the combat. Um, we run into enemies who are engulfed in darkness. So they are what would probably be regular people who have been taken over by the darkness.
0: Yeah, it,
2: it was weird to me that they're literally called the Taken. Because mm-hmm. that just reminded me of Destiny. Destiny. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Bungie. How, did you just plagiarized that, or the, what? Yeah. Like, did Remedy get some kind of bonus, or?
1: I think somebody, I, I think there was another. Someone's an
2: Alan Wake fan.
1: Yeah, somebody is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're uh, taken by the darkness, which, hey, the darkness is, the darkness consumes you from Destiny. Um, but
2: they're also kind of like, the taken in Destiny are the weird kind of ethereal, ghosty kind of things, just like. They
1: are in this game. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just not funny. space aliens.
0: Yeah.
1: So I don't know. Uh, that that's an interesting comparison that I, I didn't think about until you just brought it up. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, the mechanic here is is that since they're covered in darkness, we have to illuminate them before we can hurt them. Um, and uh, by doing that, we use the flashlight. Uh, we have a flashlight that uh, we can focus on an enemy. Uh, man, these flashlights, they go dead really Ma- fast.
2: The batteries, like, they're, they're not up to standard. No. You know?
1: And they they are Energizer batteries. There's a lot of product a, placement in this game.
2: Not product placement, because those things die after about two seconds.
1: Uh, you'd think, yeah. You'd think Energizer would be like, please don't use that. As our batteries, <laughs> our batteries last longer than that. But yeah, uh, uh, so we're constantly having to change batteries in our flashlight. In fact, I would say one enemy will take a whole battery. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So uh, once we, once we shine the light on them long enough to get the remove the darkness, then we're able to shoot them. Um. There's also the mechanic of uh, when an enemy is about to hit you, you can hit the run button and he will do like a cinematic dodge out of the way. Um and it shows like in a different camera angle and stuff like that and it's in slow-mo. That's where your bullet time kind of thing comes in.
0: Yeah. It's
2: fun. it's pretty simple once you get the hang of it, but it's it's kind of cool the flashlight thing.
1: Yeah. The the combat doesn't actually get more complex than that. I mean you'll no. f- you'll find other weapons and stuff like that. You'll find, you know, you can get like a shotgun or a hunting or a flare gun which is like an instant kill which you save for like a group of guys.
2: Love love the flare gun.
1: Yeah. And then uh you can also just throw down flares that can keep guys away. Uh, cuz you can I, you can get surrounded really fast in this game.
2: Yeah. I think it makes sense as well not to have too much going on with the combat. It's not really about that. You know, it and I felt this more in episode two than in episode one. You know, I, I I wouldn't want the whole game just being like, okay, it's a story, but let's now let's fight some bad guys. It's it's kind of the other way around, right? Like having a few kind of combat scenarios breaks up the storytelling.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, we eventually get, oh, we have to fight um, the the taken Carl Stucky. Uh, and they talk so strange. They're like, they have like slowed down voices and it's like they're talking about their memories. So, like, I remember what Stucky's talking about, but it's, you know, it's about like the cabin and great scenery. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Uh. So they, um, but yeah, we have to fight Carl Stucky. He is the kind of like the boss of this episode, um, which just means it takes more batteries to kill him and then shoot him. So, yeah. Uh but we eventually make it to the to the uh to the, the gas station and it's abandoned. But we uh we do find a phone and we're able to call for help. Uh and uh the sheriff shows up. Um the sheriff what is her name? Can't remember. Sheriff Sarah Breaker is her name. Um I've got a page up on this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, she shows up and Alan is like, I'm, I gotta lie to her. Cause she's asking, what happened out there? You know, what, what happened? How, how did you get here? Have you seen Carl Stuckey? And he's like, if I tell her the truth, she'll either become crazy or she'll arrest me because I just murdered Carl Stuckey. <laughs> so I, and I, I won't be able to save Alice if I don't. So I'm just going to lie to her. Uh, he's like, look, my wife, we were staying at the cabin at Cauldron Lake we need to go back there. We got to go find her. And she's like, you don't get it. Cauldron Lake doesn't exist or, or the cabin on Cauldron Lake doesn't exist. And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So she drives him to Cauldron Lake and where the bridge should be. It's now broken down. She said that there was a, a landslide that happened and the cabin in the island fell into the lake back in the seventies. There hasn't been any cabin here for years.
2: Another one of those rugs being pulled out.
1: Yep. So what's real? Is Alan just imagining all of this? We don't know. Um, he got a
2: wicked concussion, maybe?
1: Yeah, that's what they're thinking. Or at least, you know, uh, Alan is like, look, I got to find my wife. The, the end. you know. So, And that's the end of episode one. Uh, one of the cool things I do like is the, their use of outros and the licensed music. So, uh, the end of, uh, episode one has a song about Roy Orbison playing. Um, th- that, that kind of stuck with me the first time I played it. I was like, Oh, they're using like these songs, like some songs I've never heard of before, but there's definitely like the ending song. When you hear it, you'll know exactly what it yeah. is. Um, have, do you know what the ending song is? I do not. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, it
2: also makes it feel like a more, ri- like the, it makes it feel like a TV show, right? Like yeah. it makes it, it brings you back to your reality because these are songs in our real world by real people that we recognize yeah. and we've just watched a story or have we, you know?
1: All right. So, uh, yeah, the end of that, go to the next um, episode uh, where Alan is now in the police station and he's giving his... Uh, he's trying to file a uh, missing persons report. Uh, when uh, Alan gets a uh, phone call. Uh, the phone call is of the kidnapper. Uh, he says that the, like this guy calls and is like, I got your wife. And I need you to meet me at Lover's Peak for a secret rendezvous. Um, Sounds totally legit. I know. Uh, and, uh, he said, you're going to give me what I want and then you'll get your wife back. And he's like, oh shit. So he doesn't get the police involved. No police. Otherwise he'll kill his wife. No police. So, um, at that point, um, we run into Barry. Uh, Barry Wheeler is, uh, Alan's agent. Uh, he comes off as kind of like a sleazeball.
2: Yeah, I was not imagining him to be this kind of goofy sleaze. I thought he would be like one of the more like Alan Wake in a way, you know, a slick kind of Manhattan city type, kinda of, maybe slimy, but not like this kind of pokey, overweight, like sleazy sort of jokey character. He's almost like a comedy character.
1: Yeah. And he, he'll be that way throughout the rest of the game, um, but he does have a turn. Like, he he, he develops as a character um, yeah. later on. I
2: I don't mind Barry, the character. I just... He was not what I expected. Because, you know, they introduce He talks to his agent on the phone in episode one, and, yeah, I just... um. Or they, Him and his wife talk about Barry, don't they? And they kind of... He's quite overbearing. He, he wants Alan to write again to make money, and all of this kind of stuff. And you just think, I, I kind of just envisioned him being more kind of like a, you know, just like more of a slick young, you know, hotshot yeah. rather than, than, than Barry,
1: <laughs> Barry in another world. <laughs> uh, Even the name Barry, Barry you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in another world, I could imagine Barry being played as like Joe Pesci, like, yeah. like an, an, an angry, short, fat man. Yeah. This, th- <laughs> this just a, uh, Uh, but yeah, so. Well, I
2: uh, kind of thought he might just be like Ryan Reynolds, you know, not.
1: (laughs) No, you thought he'd be like a, like a smarmy Ryan Reynolds type, yeah. Uh, nah, he's, he's, he's your typical, typical loud New Yorker. (laughs) Like, yeah, Alan, you gotta go start writing again, man. Come on, you know. (laughs) So.
2: He seems like it's like a guy, you know, he reminds, it's like, I think he's got like a tiny box office somewhere in like some shitty neighborhood. Yeah. And he's a bit of a one man band, not kind of the agent of one of the most successful celebrity authors in the world.
1: (laughs) But yeah, he, um, he meets up with Alan. Um, he's like, I haven't heard you guys in a week. I figured, you know, something had happened. So I took a flight out here and now here I am. He's like, well, look
2: in his yellow Hummer as well.
1: Yeah. Very inconspicuous. (laughs) Um, and so he uh he's like, all right, look, I can trust you, Barry. So I'm gonna tell you what's going on. Uh, somebody's got my wife, they've kidnapped her, and he's wanting something from me, and I have to meet him at this place tonight. And he's like, you're crazy. So, and the whole time he's like, go to the cops, you know, call them, you know, call the the FBI, get them on. And he's like, look, I can't do this. I have to do it this way. Uh, and he he also tells him about how the the darkness is taking people. And how Cauldron Lake used to be there, but now, a week later, it's not. And now time has been Different. rewritten. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, him and Barry go rent another cabin uh, and try to get their bearings, get ready for the night. And uh, he tells Barry, look, I'm going to go along. You stay here. If anything happens, just give me a call. And so we then go through the National fucking Forest
2: Oh, yeah, this was a bit annoying.
1: It's so f- long.
2: Yeah, and, like, where in episode one, I felt the combat stuff was paced really well, and I didn't really have to worry about the shitty batteries and the ammo. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah, I was not I, I was not prepared for the kind of Resident Evil level kind of ammo conservation that I encountered in episode two. Maybe I was just too kind of gun-happy when I was taken out. The, yeah, but I had to repeat a few sections because I kind of ran out of ammo.
1: I got killed a few times because there's some of those enemies that carry the sickles that hit you twice instead of just yeah. once. And I was like, you kidding me? And I was like, I can't do both of them. So, but yeah, um, you tra- I mean, it's, it's a lot of traveling through the woods. There's a few puzzles you have to solve, uh, like moving logs and stuff like that. Um, but eventually we make it to Lover's Peak. Um, and all the while we're finding manuscript pages. Uh, these manuscript pages are actually being narrated by a different person this time. It's not Alan. Uh, and when we eventually make it to La we run into a guy. We get surrounded by a bunch of enemies, and this guy shoots the the enemies. And he's like, oh, you can see them. He's like, hell yeah, I can see them. He's like, follow me. And, he, and then Alan's like, oh, I realize this is the fucking kidnapper. So uh, we lose our gun. Now the... Um, the, the kidnapper is the only person with a gun. And he wants us to put the light on enemies so he can shoot them. Talk about some bad aiming. This guy's aim is fucking He's horrible. shit. Yeah. He will miss constantly. And I'm like, okay, dude, nobody else needs a light put on them. All you got to do is shoot them. And they're not attacking you. They're all attacking me. And so finally he does kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he finally gets down to business. All right, look. I you, you got your wife and you know what I want. He's like, I don't know what you fucking want. What do you want? He's like, the pages. He's like, I want you to, to give me the rest of the of the script. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I've been finding these pages, but I haven't written anything And he's like, Oh don't play with me <laughs> Yeah and it's like I'm you know, the whole time we're thinking, Oh my God, this is stupid but why does he want the pages? Because it seems like they have something to do with him. He realizes that they're kind of predicting the future, and so he wants the pages. Uh, unfortunately, we we uh, get separated from the kidnapper. He runs off. We get the gun, and so okay. Well, now we got to get back. Um, get back to Barry. Barry is calling us because he says, "Hey, man, there's some crazy fucking crazy ass shit out here." There's uh, these fucking birds just <laughs> <They're> surrounding the <laughs> like house. He's
2: from, he's from Boston now.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's from Boston. There's these crazy birds that are surrounding the house and they're like going all Hitchcock on me, is what he says.
2: <laughs> he's like, I'm not coming out. You take care of those fucking birds. Like yeah. I'm staying in the house. He's barricaded himself in.
1: Uh, we also run into um, the guy we rented the cabin from. Um, he's Park Ranger. And uh, he uh, is not in a good way.
2: Well, also, he was the guy who was on, was it the kidnapper or the park ranger who was on the ferry in episode one? Because I went and saw some guy at the back of the ferry leaning over the, um, and he doesn't talk, beach kind of mutters-y thing, and it's the same guy.
1: That's the kidnapper. But, yeah. Yeah, because he says, I recognize that guy, he was from the ferry. Yeah, um, which was
2: cool, I, I like that.
1: The the park ranger is uh, severely wounded, and he is at the uh, the lodge where we we talked to him to get the key. And he's, he's like, hey, dude, you need to help me. Um, there was like this monster that came, came after me. Um, unfortunately he doesn't make it. The darkness hit him and his body disappears. Um, but we are able to get the key and, uh, are able to get into the car or, or the truck and drive off. And this is a Ford truck. So they're still doing product placement here. Which like is, a TV show. Yeah, and it's bad product placement because that truck controls like ass.
0: Yeah, like
1: oh a TV show. <laughs> God. It's so bad. Um, and we're able to focus the headlights.
2: Well, <laughs> well I was going to say, did, uh, like, I'm just driving the thing. They're like, Oh, you can focus the headlights. I'm like, I'm just going to run these fuckers over. Like, why would I be? Like, I didn't do, I don't know, like, I don't know about you. I just got in the truck and just drove. That's... I didn't stop or focus or get out or anything like that. I'm just like, I'm going. It's fine
1: that's what i did too um the the difference is is that you can um kill them if you focus the lights on them and remove the darkness and then run them over if you just run them over the darkness they get right back up
2: well i'm dro- i'm driving away so. exactly
1: so i mean there's. No i hope point. they don't
2: come back to get me in a later episode but, you no
1: know. no don't worry about that
2: i didn't figure it would
1: we eventually make it back to the cabin where barry is and there are these like it's a a bunch of crows a murder of crows as they call it yep uh flying around and they got darkness all over them to i still can't figure out how i did this i went through every battery every flare trying to figure out what the fuck am i supposed to do here because i'd like i'd pointed at the bird and you could see it was burning them a little bit but then they just fly away
2: uh, see, i had loads of flare ammo and i just kind of waited until they dived at me and just hit the flare gun thing, and you took out... I took out, like, loads of them at once.
1: I mean, I did that a couple of times, but I ran yeah, out of I ammo. Just,
2: I ran in circles, and I just waited for them to kind of nosedive, and it seemed to work. I didn't have to repeat it, so... Yeah. Maybe just, just lucky, I guess.
1: So, um, we get another phone call from the, uh... From the kidnapper. And, um... He tells us, I want those pages, and uh, you got two days to get them to me. Because Alan tells him, he's like, well, I, I don't have them finished yet. So you're going to have to let me write them first. And he tells him to get a week, but he's like, no, you got two days. And uh, be at this cave uh, in two days and bring the manuscript pages. Um, so we're like, where the fuck are we going to find these manuscript pages? So apparently they put their fees up there, uh, him and Barry did. And, uh, Barry gets a phone call from Rose the next day saying that she's found some of the manuscript pages and she'd like for Barry and Alan to come pick them up. Uh, and as she's talking on the phone, her voice starts to slowly get weird and she starts like rambling. She's like, I'll be here. I'm at the uh, trailer park outside of town. Okay, bye. Welcome to the old dear diner. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, piece, it doesn't sound
2: going. doesn't sound like Rose from the first episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, as she's hanging up the phone, the funeral lady who we think is over all of this, she's tell she's like, good girl. And then she's got this weird fucking smile on her face and uh it zooms out of the trailer and then shows the woods and stuff like that and the music's playing, this is another song. And, uh, it says end of episode two. So it looks like Alan and Barry are walking into a trap.
2: Dun dun dun. And the creepy old lady isn't just a creepy old lady, she's
1: evil. She's evil. An evil dark, darkness lady in funeral. So, and that's where we stop. I actually talked a lot more than what I thought we would.
2: Yeah. There's a lot to say, I think, yeah it's not it's not long, but there's there's a lot packed in
1: yeah I, I would say I probably put maybe three
2: hours into it, yeah, I'm about the same,
1: yeah uh there's one thing we, we didn't mention, uh, and I think it comes up a little bit later on uh there was a cut scene, I think in between episode one and two, where uh is Alan in New York City with his wife, oh yeah, at their apartment. And uh, you know they're talking about his riding and stuff like that, and the power goes out. And Alan turns the power back on because his wife is really scared. And then they sit down together, and he's like, "Here, I show you something." He said, "I used to be really afraid of the dark too, and my mom gave me this. She calls it the clicker, and it's basically like an old light switch from like you know back in the day." And it's been cut off and it's just like, you know, just the light. He's, he's like, my mom always told me if I was afraid of the dark, I could hit this button and all the bad things would go away. And uh, he gives it to his wife. And I'm pretty sure that comes back later on.
2: Yeah. That zoomed right in and everything. No. She doesn't really, like, and that's another kind of thing where she doesn't believe him, does she? Uh-uh. She just thinks, oh, thanks for making up that story that you didn't have to, but that was really sweet. And um, I think... It's another kind of one of those little signifiers about, you know, does, again, like, can you trust what Alan says? Is he, how do you differentiate the, the stories from the facts? It, you know, even his wife kind of hints at that underlying kind of uncertainty, I guess.
1: You, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but you will start to see similarities to how things, reality works, uh, in if you've ever seen It. Nope. you never seen It? <laughs> do 't yeah, like clowns like, do you? you
2: you see yeah Oh no I don't know it's I'm, I''m I have no feelings one way or the other towards clowns so okay. I, again like I feel like you've asked me everything that you said have you done this I'm like nope
1: <laughs> okay well um, <laughs>
2: what one of those episodes where apparently I have no interests
1: It's all right so it's one of these things where in it the kids are able to fight off it because as long as you believe in something it's real. Yeah. So, um, that, that, th- that comes up again. So, um, yes, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, how are you feeling with the game so far?
2: Yeah, I really, I'm enjoying it. And, I, again, like I, other than, um, it was a little disappointing in the second episode that the combat sections really dragged. Like, the, the, the national park section was, was a bit of a drag. Um, for the most part, they moved. The whole narrative and the story moves really well. Like that, it doesn't lull for me. I'm I'm hooked on the story, um, the characterization and um, yeah, there's a few kind of really not subtle moments, like with the evil lady and and that kind of stuff. But but yeah, it's it's nice to kind of think, oh, how's this going to fit in? Like like you mentioned the clicker the clicker flashback, and it kind of speaks to what I, I sort of mentioned earlier, where you think everything actually in this game is deliberate. And i to take everything that you come across and encounter and see seriously and, and figure out where it fits. Yeah. And it's, it's really smart and I like it. Yeah.
1: It's, um, it's a very interesting game. And I think the ending was a little bit controversial, uh, for a lot of people. So right. I'm, I'm really I curious. Bear, of, that. bear that in mind. Really curious of how you'll feel, uh, at the end of the, uh, at the end of this game. But, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Um, somewhat of a short show. Not too bad, though. Um, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, no emails uh, this time, but that's okay. Uh, we'll uh, we'll hopefully uh, get some in the next episode. If you would like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can uh, talk about Alan Wake or any game, whatever you want. Uh, we'll read on the show. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury and Sophie is at smhalliday and uh the podcast itself is at pgd phoenix down. Uh but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh short and sweet. Um
2: quality th- not quantity, right?
1: Exactly. And uh there's um, what six uh episodes in all, so we'll do two more episodes next week and then two more the week after. And then we will be uh we'll be uh wrapping this up. But uh thank you Sophie for being on. Pleasure. And uh, yeah, that'll be it for us. We're gonna get out of here. You uh, guys, a great one. Until next time. I am Drew. I'm Sophie. And we're out of here. We'll be back next week with a continuation.